Hello. 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 Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome to the uh, Slow Home Podcast. I'm Brooke McCallery. I am your host and... I'm Ben McCallery, your co-host, and I've now got my very own microphone. That's right. We are moving up in this world. <laughs> We've now got two microphones. We're super professional. We don't have to like pass it to each other anymore. <laughs> so you'll hear more of the inappropriate jokes and laughter. Excellent. Excellent. This is episode 32. We're bringing you a hostful today. We are. First to my coastful. It's an auspicious day. Um, yeah, we've got some we've got some questions uh, and some things to talk about that we'd like to to cover off in today's episode. Uh, but before we do, uh, as al- always, you can get the show notes for today's episode at slowyourhome.com slash thirty two, and we'll have a list of links and resources and whatnot. Uh, also, um, a list of the questions that we answer. But today's episode is brought to you by a, uh, a project that I'm a part of, actually. It's my third year that I've been a part of it. It's called A Simple Year. And it's a, a year-long program to designed to help people engage with simple living. But every month has a, has a module and a, like a, a topic that we cover off. And How are they delivered? Online? Or? Online, yep, via email. And then there's a, a video... Uh, like a video conference call as part of it as well. And there's, you know, bonus homework, which sounds heaps of fun. <laughs> there's tasks and things that people You're really set. selling this? I'm re- no, look, I, I'm, I'm not doing a very good job of selling it, but it's actually been one of the best things I've, I've been a part of over the last couple of years. It was started by Courtney Carver of Be More With Less and – she wanted to to get together like all the heads of people who write about minimalism and simplicity and all that kind of thing. Like who? Uh, this year actually is the first year that Leo Babout is part of it, which is really nice. exciting. Uh, and also Kate Flanders, who has been on the podcast before. She is presenting a, mo- a module on money and budgeting. Uh, we've got Temi Strobel and Courtney Carver, of course. Colin Wright um, from Exile Lifestyle and Joshua Becker. As well, wow. Okay, yeah. So another, another, a another podcast friend. Yes, um, Jules Clancy as well, who oh, has wow. been on the okay. podcast. And so it's basically your people on the podcast are doing a program for a year. Yeah, and it's all on simple living and different different areas that we focus on every month. So each one of you has a month. Yep, What's most your of us. Month? My month is clutter, and I'm in January. I'm first up this right. year. Starting strong. Starting starting super strong. The only way to go is down from there. <laughs> if I could be so bold. Massive rats. <laughs> okay, so what what can people do to find out more about it and to So at the sign moment up? we've got an early bird pricing which is open uh, for another couple of weeks. Uh, if you head to simpleyear.co, you can sign up there and we will be reopening at the beginning of 2016 for another 10 days or so, but if you wanted to snag the early bird price, you can head over to simpleyear.co and sign up now and we start January 1 and every month then after thereafter we've got a new topic for you. It's and it's wonderful. It really is. We've had thousands of people through it over the last couple of years and it's been amazing. And getting stronger year on year on. So is there any benefit of people that's done it before doing it again? Um, I mean, that's up to them individually. It depends. I mean, I, I, from our feedback, people are 
that we're really encouraging people to to work through like the homework tasks, as fun as that doesn't sound. And the more we encourage people to get through that work every month, the less likely they need to revisit it. So it's it's pretty intensive, but you know it doesn't. It's not like it's going to take you fifty hours a week or anything, a month or anything like that. But people are. Um, you know, making huge changes, massive changes throughout the year. Awesome. Be good to talk to some of those people. I already have. Oh, no, you mean the people who yeah. have been? Yeah, that, would, that actually would be really good. Hmm. Give us a shout out. Give us a shout out if you've done the program and have good things to say about it. If you have done it and don't have good things to say, we're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, but if you have been part of the program, let us know um, what you, what your thoughts were and, and how you found it and what changes you made because I think that would be really interesting. Really interesting. Mm. Okay. So there you go. On with the show. On with the podcast. Episode number 32. And the first question for this episode comes through via Facebook. Jane writes, are there any tips for the upcoming holidays, especially the social engagements with friends and colleagues? The requests are flowing in for end-of-year catch-ups and meals, but it's only October. It all adds up in terms of money and time, but hard to turn down as it's often only a once a year thing looking forward to the pog past. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but just quietly I love that people call it the pog past. Hashtag pog past. <laughs> it's gotta be a thing. Um it's it's a really good question actually because we're we're coming into an undeniably busy time of year. And even if you put in place a whole heap of uh, you know, expectation management and, uh, you know, saying no and all that kind of stuff, it's still a busy time of year. So I think um, I'll preface it by saying there's some things that you just need to go with. Like it's going to be busy no matter what you do to prepare. Um, and there's there's nothing you can do about things like kids' end-of-year school concerts and, you know, family get-togethers and that sort of stuff. Like, they're just a standing thing that isn't – they're not going to change. And so I would suggest just enjoy it and embrace it for what it is. It's a busy social season and while that can be really exhausting and expensive, um, you know, for for those things, I'd definitely just say, you know, enjoy it and embrace it as much as possible. So it's about picking your battles. Well, yeah. Well, that's – yeah, exactly. That's exactly right because, you know – the fact that we're making these choices and these shifts doesn't necessarily equate to other people making them. And we're like, well, what's more important spending this time and being a part of like the end of year school concerts or whatever it is, um, or kind of resenting it. And I think the best approach would be to just enjoy it for what it is. Um, but that being said, there is a lot that you can do to make it a much less stressful time of year. Um, I think one of the things that you can that I would encourage people to do is to think ahead. And and now like being, you know, the beginning, the end of October, I guess when this show comes out is probably a good time to start thinking about it, but there's certain things that you can do to to get proactive rather than reactive. Uh so 
you can plan ahead for things like um, gift shopping. There's no reason to wait until December to do that. Uh, last year, for example, I had all of our Christmas shopping done by maybe the middle of November. And it was so stress-free. It was just one of those things. And like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I don't have a huge amount of shopping to do, but it's still significant enough. Um, Let's talk about last year uh, for a yep. little bit because that was a bit of an abnormality for us. Yes. Um, where I can really appreciate this question because last year was almost us escaping the silly season. <laughs> like we basically, because we had booked this awesome trip and some of it I think subconsciously was booked at that time of year because we were so sick of this time of year and how crazy it got. Um, it was almost like we could say because we were going overseas in December through to January, we could say no more. Do you do you agree with that? And you know, we I, I felt like we were we were able to get away with more because of that. Yeah, I'd never actually thought about it as escaping the craziness, but oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're obviously smarter than me, um, uh, but it was that was definitely a a benefit. Um, just the the weeks in the lead up were busy and stressful, but for different reasons, I guess. But um, yeah, that's that's true. We we did opt out last year of it quite was, a lot. It was my favourite Christmas ever mm. for a couple of reasons, but like we only bought well, I only bought presents for the kids. Yeah, like we didn't even buy ourselves. Anything well besides a kick-ass holiday? Yeah, that was our present to one another. So, yeah, I loved that, and you know, I was able to. We were able to get out of buying presents for extended families, and oh, no, I bought them. I just did it, you know, six weeks before. You just weren't part of it. Oh, <laughs> MG. <laughs> but I did make it very simple. Um, ben, edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, getting back to the answer, um, gift <laughs> gift shopping is something that you can do now. So I would I would highly recommend uh, that you you know take a bit of time, make a list, and start thinking about getting those gifts now because it just means not so much that it's going to cost you any less or be less stressful, but it will be less intense come December. So part of the reason I think that that time of year feels so hectic is because we leave so much of it to the last minute and some of that stuff doesn't need to be left to the last minute. So gift shopping is one of those. I would definitely suggest getting on top of that if um, if you haven't already at this stage. Uh, similarly, and probably not as interestingly, is things like cleaning your house and preparing it for guests because I know that's a huge stress for people coming into the holidays. They often have people travelling and staying with them. And, you know, once work kind of starts to wind up in the, the middle of December, everyone's hit full force with the reality that they're going to have the in-laws or the grandparents or some, someone staying and the house is not ready. So I would also suggest thinking about things like that. And if you need to declutter or clear out a guest bedroom, maybe try and do that before December hits and before the, the silliness of, you know, office parties and all that kind of stuff cramming into our weekends hits. Uh, again, really not very sexy or interesting, but it does help a heap. 
Following on in another unsexy topic, uh, you can also do the same with your food preparation and planning. It'll only take you an hour or two to sit down and think about all the events that you're going to, all the things that you're hosting, all the places you have to visit and what you need to bring. And just keeping a list of that and adding to it as you're invited to places can really help. It just means that you're probably not going to have to run to the shops the day that you're going somewhere or, you know, a last minute cooking expedition. Um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of another way that you can minimise the stress. This is where I think uh, people in the Southern Hemisphere have a huge advantage yes. in the Northern Hemisphere. The Christmas for us and the food food preparation, I love it. That's my element. I, I really do enjoy that time of year because of all the great food and stuff that's basically in season. Um, you know, we, we're very smart about it. We do – we purchase on bulk, um, like our huge ham that we get and that lasts us for, for a long time that we're able to then take to different Christmases – so we've bought some some food, but it's that huge leg of ham. It's not going to help you this year, though, nope. is it? <laughs> no, but we, I mean, it, and it is. We different. might get a huge lead of head of lettuce for you then. Just a big bowl of mushrooms will be fine. <laughs> cherries, cherries are in season. Yes. Mangoes, avocados, prawns. You're not eating prawns. Not really. Anyway, I'm. I'm but I totally agree. It's about the preparation for the yeah, food. Yeah, and just just planning ahead really, really does help. And if there's things that you need to order, order them now, like your big turkey or your big ham or, you know, your 17 kilos of prawns. Like, Yeah. <laughs> you know, order them, order them sooner rather than later and that's just one less thing weighing on your mind so that when it does get busy, you're not also distracted and stressed by all that other stuff. When it comes to social events, like, yes, it's – unavoidably busy, um, almost certainly for everyone. And while it's not a bad thing to be able to catch up with your friends at the end of the year, and sometimes, as as Jane was saying, it it might be the only chance you get to see people. Uh, So embrace it and enjoy it. But if it's not too late, try and maybe be the driver behind some of these catch-ups and make them – less of a big deal if that makes sense you know try and make them what do you mean well make them uh you know a a simpler kind of affair instead of having a big sit-down meal perhaps you could invite people over for a drink um or after dinner yeah Yeah. Uh, we've got our very close friends who literally live around the corner from us we probably see them three times a year and one of those is set in stone as christmas eve eve we hang out with them every christmas eve eve um, for a few hours, but it's so simple. They bring whatever they're going to drink. We have whatever we're going to drink and maybe a plate of nibblies each. We come after dinner and we just hang out. And it's one of the most pleasant and relaxing things to do because it's not a big deal. Like no one feels the pressure to dress up or, you know, put on a big meal, but we still get the benefit of hanging out and spending time with some of our favorite people. So I think if you can, you know, think about different ways you could introduce maybe a simpler kind of celebration with your friends or your family. Uh, again, this is probably not going to be as helpful for people in colder parts of the world at Christmas, but like something like a picnic or go to a restaurant or, you know, don't feel like you need to host and don't, you know, don't feel like just because that's what you've always done, that's what you need to continue to do. You know, try to think about ways that might make the workload a little bit easier for yourself or for other people. Workload and then it's the financial thing as exactly. well. So if, if you're going out to a restaurant, that can that can add up. Yep. I think picnic is good. Some some 
place that's you know you don't have to pay anything to yeah. to go to uh and then obviously then your home as well uh where you'll save more money than going out to a restaurant yeah it's just a matter of weighing up what is the biggest um you know concern or the biggest drain for you if it's financial if it's time if it's energy if it's you know having people at your house and then figuring out what works yeah and then introducing that idea to people maybe start a new tradition or you know, don't feel like you need to continue on down the, the same path that you always have. Uh, and then I guess moving into the wider the wider invitation to, you know, social events, that's when it gets really hard because you might be invited to three or four work Christmas events. You might be invited to an acquaintance's house. Um, you know, there's all of those additional things that, that you're invited to and will feel obligated to attend. And at some point, it's a matter of saying, well, what's what's better for us? You know, is this is going to this event that we we're really not that invested in attending? Is that going to be beneficial? You know, is are we going to enjoy ourselves? Possibly, but are you going to benefit maybe more by chilling out for the day or or saying no? So I feel like it's okay to say no. It's really okay to to say no and, and not attend everything. Oh, it's awesome. So empowering saying no. <laughs> yeah, seriously, because, I mean, and most of it is is fear and obligation. You know, we feel like because we've been invited, we need to say yes. Or if we say no, people might judge us or think they're being snubbed, none of which is, is true. But, um, you know, at some point you need to choose what is going to work for you uh, in the moment. We hope that we helped you, Jane, with that question. It was a great, it was a great question. Thank you. It was you. a good question. The next question comes from Lindsay, also on Facebook, who who writes um, whether you've got any tips for finding support and guidance in, in Canada. She lives in Ottawa, Canada, so that's number one. It's a two-part question. Number two, um, she is very curious about a day in the life of Brooke and Ben. I'm not sure about me, but you'll get the... You get me as well, two for the price of one. She really enjoyed the rituals episode, but she asked, how else do you live a slow, intentional life? Okay, good questions. Uh, first of all, in terms of uh, some support and guidance for people who are ad- trying to adopt minimalism, slow living in Canada, uh, the first place that I would suggest is the minimalists' um, local meetup groups there's one actually in ottawa and they have a facebook group so if you go to minimalism.org i believe um or the minimalists.org you'll find a link to all of the the local meetup groups that these guys have set up and they organize meetings and you know uh, help support each other then there's also quite a lot of slow living groups in Canada, I know that um, in Edmonton and Calgary, there's a few community groups who are focused on adopting slow or sustainable living. So I would also definitely suggest checking out, probably via Facebook or even just Google, if there are any similar groups in Ottawa. And I think once you start to connect with people in real life, you start to, to meet more like-minded people. So that's definitely where I would begin. In terms of our rituals and, you know, the way we, we structure our day. We get up, we get out of bed, we drag a comb across our heads. Mm-hmm. Little Beatles number. It's good. Um, day in the life. 
<laughs> when we do that, um, I'm a bit torn on how <laughs> on how to answer this because because uh, I have spoken as as um, as Lindsay was asking, um, and as she mentioned, we do we, I do talk about my rituals in one of the earlier episodes, uh, so I'll include a link to that in the show notes, but. That was a pretty hardcore rhythm that I had set up for myself and it was great at the time. It was really... It was great. And do you know what, though? It was unsustainable. Look, I'm not going to say it's unsustainable because I know a lot of people who do similar things and it works really well for them. But well, what, what it, worked, I, it worked for you for a long time. Yeah, and so what I did, my, my life shifted. Once I stopped writing the blog, I stopped needing to get up at 4 a.m. Mm. Like I revisited, realigned my my rhythms. Yeah. And it turns out that that extra hour sleep, my alarm now goes off at quarter past five, not 4 a.m. Unless I'm doing a podcast interview, which almost invariably I do at about 4.30 in the morning. One, one, one a week. On average. Once or twice a week, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's simply logistical. You know, most people in, in North America, America, that's the only time that our, our timetables work. Um, but typically my alarm goes off at 5.15. And I guess that's, that's an important point because it, it just evolves, you know. So for well over two years, I was getting up at 4 a.m., so that I could write. Now that I'm not writing as often, I don't need to get up as early. And I'm also probably valuing my my rest and my sleep more than I did back then. So in that way the the extra the the, the sleep that I was missing out on was unsustainable, yes. But then when I got sick this year, I've been yeah. still recovering and at the moment I'm again choosing to shift my rhythm back because I wake up my alarm goes off and some mornings I will get up when I'm feeling well enough, but when I, you know, I ask myself, do I need to sleep or do I need to get up and work or write or, you know, try and meditate or do a little bit of yoga? Typically at the moment, the answer that's winning is sleep and that's because I'm still recovering. So I think before I talk any more about like, what I do, it's just really important to say that none of this is set in stone and it's not, you know, some kind of... <laughs> it definitely isn't. I I actually think that I've got more of a ritual than you do in in some respects because not it's very rarely that you'll have a day exactly the same. Never. Yeah. But that's why I think that's that's actually why I talk about rhythm a lot more than routine. Like um with your particularly your mornings, you have to do the same thing every yeah. morning because you have to get the train, you know, you wake up at the Groundhog same Groundhog day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, depressingly, yes, you were, you wake up at the same time every morning, you go through the same process every morning, um, and you're at the door and on the train at the same time every day. So it's really ritualistic, like really very routine for you. Yeah. Whereas I, like, I don't, I'm not only, um, working on my, my own timetable, like the kids are always doing something different. They wake up at a different time every morning, they wake up needing different things and there's Every day is different. So I guess, um, you know, to finally get around to the answer, which is how do we, you know, adapt slow and intentional living living into our everyday, I I must always have time outside. 
that's one big thing for me. And on the times that I don't, either when I'm sick or too busy or, um, you know, just not being mindful and I don't have time outside, I feel really just stressed, really caged, really trapped, really all up in my own head. Um, so getting outside, even just for five minutes, even if it's just hanging the clothes on the line or finishing a cup of tea or, um, you know, if it's good weather, I might jump on the slack line or feed the chickens, anything. Uh, it really reconnects me to the physical. So that's something that I, I really have recognized is very important for me in terms of just slowing down and being mindful. And uh, similarly, I need to be mindful of uh, input into my head. Um, if I if I'm not care, I, I don't watch the news anymore. I very very rarely watch TV. Like Ben and I will sit down and watch an episode of something most nights, but that's an intentional thing. I couldn't tell you the last time we just sat in front of TV and watched whatever was on. So uh, you know we're really careful of what we input. I. More than anything, I, I get really kind of overwhelmed, overstimulated if I have too much sound happening. Like if the kids are watching TV and I'm trying to listen to a podcast, that's too much for me. Or if the kids are talking either to, my, to me or each other and I'm trying to listen to something, that's too much. So I'm mindful of what's going in. And I think if I kind of try and limit that, that helps me be more mindful and more present as well because otherwise I get really frustrated. I find myself getting really frustrated if I try and uh, listen to an audiobook or a podcast or something like that uh, and there's other things happening because I can't do either of them well. So I think doing that is also very helpful. For me, with my rhythm... I'll just speak about one aspect of my day, and that is catching the train. I've got about an hour and a half commute into work. And in the past, I would have uh, got on my laptop and worked for that hour and a half. But I I noticed a specific difference in my days when I did that, both to and, and from work. Uh, I, when, I, when I did it in the morning, I used to come to work already fired up and not in a good headspace because I'd already been working and it was a bit frustrating because you're limited to what you can actually do on the train. So often you'd have to revisit work that you've already done, which gets you more frustrated as well. And then secondly, on the way home, a noticeable difference when I did come home, I was still in work mode. So it took longer for me to relax and, and be the family, Ben. But as a result of a bit of a panic attack, one morning on the train on the way to work, I stopped on my laptop and stopped doing work. And now I listen to podcasts and edit podcasts and bug out to mobile phones calling while you're recording. And do some meditation. So I close my eyes for a good 15 to 20 minutes on the way into work and the way ho- and on the way home. And that, med- that, that 20 minutes, that meditation, and look, it's n- a lot of people don't get, get this and this is my selfish time because I'm not with anyone. I'm sitting on a, in a quiet carriage on the way back from work. Once I do get home, I think you do, you find there's a bit of a difference in my mentality. Absolutely. You just take the time. So that really works for me. Yeah, it's making it's that transition. Like you take the yeah. time to 
mindfully and intentionally transition between, you know, work mode and home mode and it makes a huge difference like when you come home you're just you're there and you're present and you're you're not not talking about work no no not at all and you're not stressed it's just it's like you're there and you're you're there for us to you know to engage with it's it's made a huge difference so we hope that's helped you Lindsay. and what we'll do is in the show notes to this podcast link to the rituals episode and I'll, I'll actually also include link to a, a post that I wrote a year or so ago, which was how I came to um, I came to establish my morning rhythm. It's, uh, it comes with a worksheet that kind of takes you through the process of figuring out what you want from your mornings and then how to actually establish that. Uh, so I'll, I'll include that in the show notes as well. The next question comes from Jessica on Facebook as well. She asks... What have you found to be the biggest advantage or the most rewarding aspect of slow living? It's a really good question. The biggest. The biggest. Or rewarding. One. Oh. The big one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say connection to people. What do you mean by that? Um, I'm more engaged when I talk to people and I'm more present and more I, I just feel like I'm just saying buzzwords but uh, I'm more there and more I'm, I'm paying much closer attention to what people say and I, I think I'm more empathetic and more likely to this is a weird thing to say cry and more you know I'm, I'm much more emotionally available there you go finally hit on it than I was even three years ago, I think probably even one or two years ago, I just feel like the more I embrace this slowness, um, the more I can connect on a human level with most people that I, I you know, cross paths with. Would you say in the past that you were less likely is the wrong term, uh, w- would you say that you purposefully went out of your way to not spend time with people yes i would say that and i really enjoyed watching you <laughs> ask that question like how can i not offend her <laughs> no but I, I i agree with what you're saying and because i'm just trying to paint a picture of what uh, absolutely. it was like before slow living so people got a, a, something to yeah yeah so when our daughter was a baby for example i would not leave the house like i would not I it, unless I absolutely had to, and then I would get a, quite a lot of anxiety about doing that. I just I shunned my friends. I didn't answer phone calls. I because you, you had too much to do around the house. There was too much stuff. There was you know too much things happening. Too much too much expectation. Yeah, I was I was completely crushed under the weight mm. of the expectations that I put on myself and uh, you know my business and learning to be a parent and you know having just moved all these huge things i was just completely crushed under the weight of them and instead of looking outward and thinking how can i get help i would just it went all internal and it was all you know black and really dark stuff going on in there and i was blaming myself and you know in a, just in a really bad state but yeah i i agree with you completely like i went out of my way to avoid interaction. And while I'm still solidly introverted and absolutely need my alone time, like that's where I get my energy, that's where I get my creative spark, that's where I get you know, a lot of the things that I really like about myself, 
I am much more inclined now to collaborate and seek out the company of other people more so than I ever have been. So that would, and while that sounds maybe like a selfish answer, I think it's actually allowed me to be a much better mum, a much better wife, I hope, um, better friend, better daughter. Like, I'm just, like I'm there when I'm with people and when I'm thinking about them, I'm there. Whereas before I felt mm, foggy and maybe a step removed. Agree. What about you? I think it's the freedom. I think it's the extra time that I feel like we have now. Yep. So the freedom of of added time in your day, uh, if that's a thing. No, it, well, it is because I think, for example, most weekends we have downtime. Most weekends on a Sunday afternoon we'll usually have happy days. Happy days. Our family has happy days, which is hey. <laughs> Fonzie comes around and we, we don't jump the shark. We <laughs> eat chips and drink. We'll have, yeah, we'll have a beer and the kids will have a dizzy whizzy and um, dizzy whizzy. You know, we'll just hang out together. Ben and I listen to some music. Almost every weekend, we'll make time to do that, and it's a little ritual that ritual. we. Ritual. Yeah, it is actually um, ritual that we've kind of built up over over time. And but but there'll also almost always be time where we'll either. Maybe you read a book or watch a movie or just hang out with the kids on the weekends. Like we, we do. There is a much greater level of freedom in our time. Yeah. And I just don't think we, we, we had that when it was before we started this journey. No way. It just felt like there was just way too much things to do, things to keep upkeep and the expectations of your time and energy and – yeah, so I, I think that that for me is is the biggest advantage, the biggest benefit of this so far. Who knows what the future holds? Indeed. Our last question comes from Emma. She's finished all our podcasts. Good on you, Emma. Yeah, thanks for listening <laughs> Thank to them all. Thank you very much for listening. She's asked whether you could suggest some other podcasts that are similar to ours that you you would rec- recommend for her? It's a good question. Because we are that unique. We're special snowflakes, you and I. Um, there, I look, there, there are a few that I would recommend, definitely. Particularly if you're looking for, like, the simple living niche, I would highly recommend Tish's podcast, which is called The Simple Show. She uh, it, it used to be a different name, and I I believe she's sort of restarted it. So um, there's maybe a dozen episodes that she's got out at the moment, and releases every couple of weeks. Some of them are interviews, some of them are just her chatting, but definitely worth a listen. She's got some good insights, and it kind of has a similar vibe to ours, being converse, really conversational. And uh, another one that I can, you know, actually I can recommend without even listening to it yet because she's fabulous and um, I love her. Kate Flanders, who has been a guest on the show, she is uh, pulling together a podcast with a friend of hers, which I believe is releasing early next year. So while that's not going to help you right now, (laughs) uh, definitely keep an eye out uh, for that. Also keep an eye out, shall we? Is it too early to? No, I don't think so. Are we going to? We can. We can. 
Uh, I'm hoping to start another couple of podcast projects next year too, just quietly um, with someone who's been on the show before. I don't know if I should say any more than that. Don't. No, no. don't. Don't. As your legal counsel, I reckon (laughs) not doing that. Um, But in terms of podcasts that I I listen to that are not in the same um, niche as Simple Living, Minimalism, what have you, uh, I really do love the Invisible Office Hours podcast, Paul Jarvis and J- Jason Zook. Um, it is about business and, and working for yourself, but I think that pretty much anyone would find it interesting because they pick a topic and then just um, riff on that for 40 minutes a week. I really, really enjoy what they have to say and how they say it. Uh, another podcast that would, would absolutely be worth listening to is The One You Feed with uh, Eric Zimmer, who's been on the show before. He interviews a really broad range of people about uh, the choices that they make and how they actively create a life that's you know worth living, a life, uh, you know, a good life. Uh, which then also reminds me of the Good Life Project with Jonathan Fields. Similarly, he interviews people about the changes that they've made in their life to to live a good life, what a good life looks like. He also shares quite a bit of his own story and it's just a really positive, uplifting podcast to listen to. So, uh, yeah, The One You Feed with Eric Zimmer and The Good Life Project are both really wonderful as well. Okay, well, a couple of recommendations there that to, to, to check out now and, and to check out in the future. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Picking up what you're putting down. Now let me just let me sort of start to draw that out. So, what what do you mean, pod, podcast projects? Um. Well, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> well, podcasts. Firstly, like I, I, if podcasting was a pie, I'm going to stick a couple more fingers in it. Put it that way. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's a weird way of putting it. Um, yeah, so I would, I'm going to launch at least another podcast project next year. But um, Podcast network. Yeah, look, yes, you said it and I will, I will agree with you. That's what, that's what we're working on. Yeah, we're hoping to sort of develop some more like-minded podcasts. Because I think the thing is there's a lot of people with some you know, incredible – knowledge and advice and insight to share and the idea of podcasting is exciting for them and it's exciting for people who want to hear from them but the technical side of it and the you know the the administrative side of it might be a a bit of an obstacle so what I actually really hope to do is encourage a handful of very cool very special people to pull together a show of their own and I'll help them you know get it out into the world that's the, the project for next year. Good stuff. We yeah. should actually, our next hostful, which will probably be the last for the year, we should sort of do a wrap-up of 2015 and then, a, and then a looking towards 2016 plans. That's mm. sort of... Good idea. Like an almost like a New Year's type one. Yeah, because we will be taking a good six weeks off over Christmas. We're drinking our own Kool-Aid, people. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a break. But not yet. Nope. Not until Christmas. Well, that was that was good. I hope that we were ho- helpful 
in you know answering. I feel like I probably rambled a bit more than I should have, but that's nothing new. And um, Ben sang, which was it's always good. Bit of Beatles there. Thanks for those that appreciated it and wrote in and thanks said for some the nice one things. of you. <laughs> Ben's mum. <laughs> it's really nice of her. <laughs> what do you got on this weekend? I'm going to Melbourne actually with Belle. We're putting on our Melbourne workshop, which I'm I'm really really looking forward to. Got a good turnout for that. Great turnout. There is um, there's absolutely no point in saying this right now because you won't hear it until after it's finished. But there's still a handful of tickets left. <laughs> <laughs> so that for those that have got time machines, yep, sort it out. You got Hermione's time turner, then you can um, yeah come back and see us but there there are still uh tickets available for the canberra and brisbane events too which you are not too late to to buy when's canberra canberra's november 1 and brisbane brisbane is november 15 okay and that's it for the year after that all right um we're getting loads of requests for for other places for workshops both in australia and overseas love to do it um so just keep letting us know that you're you're keen and we'll we'll keep paying attention cool all right well that sort of is it for this podcast um if you're like we mentioned at the top of the show if you're interested in a simple year visit a simple year.co for more information and to be part of that big 2016 program featuring my lovely wife and some other really cool people We'd love to, to, to see you there, actually. It'd be great. Have a cracking day. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.